The Cambridgeshire Midweek Football Show on Cambridge 105 Radio with the Cambridgeshire Football Association promoting football at all levels across the city and South Cambridgeshire. So there is no other place to start then and it is with the U's as Colin Coldwood departs Cambridge United after just over a year in charge. If you want to get in touch, you can do 07919 070 490 studio at cambridge105.co.uk is the email to send us at 105 Sport on Twitter and Facebook also. So welcome along to the Cambridge Football Show Midweek. I'm Ollie Slack. We've got a packed show this evening providing you your weekly football fix. Let's start with the U's then and Harry joins me in the studio as always. Harry, well, I guess it was coming, wasn't it, after the, the 4-0 loss to Sulphur last night? Expected, but do you think it's the right call? Yeah, obviously, like you said, it's always expected. I mean, after the results that they've they've had in the past few weeks, I mean, the Stevens result stands out. Um, drawing with Morecambe uh, at the weekend and then, and then last night, I mean, it's all a long time coming. After everything that's happened, I think it was the right call and bringing in someone else may be the the spark that Cambridge need at the minute to get back to where they once were at the beginning of the season. Well, Colin Coddle's win percentage used boss was 29%, which isn't great. He no. lasted just over a year as well. And, of course, the final nail in the coffin was that 4-0 loss to Salford City last night, which, of course, followed the 4-0 loss to Steamlidge in the previous home game. Yeah. But... I don't think that tells the whole story. Coldwood was given a three-year deal in October, which means, once again, the club are going to have to pay out a big contract like they did exactly the same with Richard Money back in 2016. They gave him a... Uh, in 2015, sorry, they gave him a, a big contract in the summer and uh, and sacked him then in the October. It amazes me, amazes me, how you can back a manager with some investment in the summer. They used more than 11 players in the summer. Give him a new deal in October and then completely go against him. They didn't back him at all in with any investment in January and now they've sacked him after just a year in charge. And, and you know, you can debate about whether Coldwood should have been sacked, um, but there isn't any debate as to the fact the club needs to take some, some flack for this. They're looking for their fifth manager now in five years and we're still clearly seeing some of the effects from the mess that was left behind when the likes of Dave Doggett and Jez George left and there was lots of talk about cutting cloths and and the budget being small. And if you've got little money, it doesn't make sense to then <laughs> pay managers off and, and sack them willingly. I get the trapdoor of the conference, the conference and they don't want to to uh, to go down there. But when Richard Money was sacked, we said the appointment had to be the one that takes us to the next level. The same with Sean Derry, the same with Joe Dunn. And we'll be saying exactly the same thing now, that this next appointment is crucial. So how many managers need to be sacked before you look elsewhere? You look at the people making the footballing decisions at the club. Well, Tim Armitage, our news reporter, joins us on the phone to discuss this exact issue. And he'll have his views on whether Coldwood should be still at the helm. He's not. Tim, thanks for coming on the show. What are your views? Oh dear, yes, I do have some views on this. I agree that the manager takes responsibility for the poor performance of the team. But guess what? Calderwood's not the manager, he's the head coach. And that, in a nutshell, for me, is what's wrong with this. Is I agree that Calderwood has to take the blame for the results. That's, I mean, whether he's head coach or manager, ultimately he's responsible for that. But the problem is is that with the structure we have in place with a, a director of football and a head of recruitment, the, 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 the Calderwood, Derry, they didn't have that freedom to do what they wanted. They were beholden to a management structure in the club. Yeah. 
a management structure that we, we were talking about this on Saturday, on Tuesday, uh, a management structure that has never got a League Two club out of League Two. And that we're going to gloss over that. We're going to appoint a new manager, and that, or we're not. We're going to appoint a new head coach, <laughs> and we're going to have the same problems because I just don't think. I think we've absolutely demonstrated that this structure does not work. Uh, whether it's interference from above, whether it's a lack of control from the man from from the person who is the manager, but actually turned out to be the head coach, whether it's a recruitment issue. It's not just Calderwood that takes the blame for this. The, the, the club has to take a long, hard look at itself and go, so, hang on, so the three managers have all been useless. What's the common theme here? Tim, oh, I, I've it's... just said exactly that, and it is incredible to think that fans are still just saying we need a new manager. I couldn't believe last night the the anger towards just Colin Colden. Of course, there was some elsewhere, but are you saying, and it seems to be what I'm saying as well, we're in agreement in this, that... There is no way that Coldwood should take the whole blame for this and there is no. portioned no, elsewhere. I, I, absolutely not. I think the, 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 the blame lies are not necessarily... And again, we go back to the same thing, that ultimately the head coach slash manager is responsible for the results. That's their job. Whether they've got control to do that is another matter entirely. And I say, I think the club have to look at the management structure and figure out whether they think that's working or not because guess what? Nobody else thinks it's working. <laughs> But but also I think the players have to take have to take part of the you know part of the blame here. You know you look at the Stevenage game, you look at the um, Salford game, you look at a number of other games uh, over not just this season but previous seasons as well, where Cambridge has this propensity to just capitulate when things aren't going right. It's heads down and we couldn't care less anymore. And you can see it in their eyes, you can see it in the movement, you can see it in the scoreline because we get to a stage where we do this and then it just all gets out of control. And I think, you know, ultimately, when they cross the white line, the cliche is that the manager can't do anything about it. And you can talk about whether his trading strategy is right, you can talk about whether the backroom strategy have got fitness right, you can talk about all these things, but ultimately they get out on the pitch and if they can't be bothered working, then, you know, there's a there's a, there's another problem there. You can't, if you're not good enough for League Two, that's one thing, but if you're not good enough because you're you're not trying, then you're a professional footballer and you deserve to be cut from a team that does that. And, I, you know, you can point to lots of people at lots of different times that you think you're not making the effort, you're not playing like this actually matters to you. Fans have criticised them, and, and, you know, and it's a difficult thing because it doesn't help the situation necessarily. But it has to be said, and I think this is just another one of those things that senior management have to actually just sit down and take a look back and don't go, oh, this is Calderwood's fault. We get rid of Calderwood, we're going to do really well. Because I don't think we will. I don't think there's somebody here who, working under those conditions, can get the results. We've shown it. that Derry, Derry was an, an experienced footballer and you know had spent his time in management Calderwood's worked as an assistant manager with some of the best managers in the world and he's you know he was a, a, a good quality footballer when he was playing so these people have experience and it hasn't worked and you have to question why even if that even if all you do is take a look back and say well you know it, it's Calderwood's fault that it hasn't worked out but it's 
Graham Daniel's fault that we appointed Joe Dunn and Calderwood. <laughs> you know, somebody else has to share and this blame has to be dealt with because there's a serious issue that's just going to not get addressed. Every time a manager fails, it, ha- it reflects badly on the club because they are the person who appointed them in the first place. And the bit I can't get my head around, Tim, is how can you give someone a three-year contract in October and then sack them, what, three months later? Once again, the club are in a situation where they're going to have to have a massive payoff to a manager. And then they'll, you know, they'll say they haven't got a strong budget or that you know, we've been told lots of times the club have had to cut their cloth. Well, perhaps yeah. if you didn't give many managers so big contracts and, and then have to pay them off and, and expend so much money there, there might be more yeah. in, the, in the budget. Let's talk about the investment in the squad. And in January, there was a lot of talk at the time Graham Danish Count an interview about um, the fact that they're trying to be sustainable for the future and there's no contradiction between that and the ambition on the pitch. Mott Richards and Elliot Ward came in for six months and then departed again. And really, the, the U's only then signed two players in January on loan, but as a reaction to the result, the 4 0 loss to Stevenage. Do you think Colin has an argument to say that he hasn't been backed at all, really, with the investment? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I can't, what, was, what was the tagline we were starting this season under? A new start, a new direction or something like that? You know, it, it was same old, same old. We, we, we started the season looking for players to make the, the, the squad complete. We didn't get them. We got some. We got some loans and we tinkered around the edges. And we've done the same, you know, as a late addition, you know, as a, as a, probably as a knee-jerk response to the performances over recent weeks. But ultimately, you know, we've not ended up with the squad that... I, I think someone said... I, I, we were chatting about the uh, post-Morecambe uh, game. And someone said, you know, well, we've kind of found our level. Unfortunately, our level is not being able to beat the, uh, you know, the bottom end of League Two. And that's where we are. We're a poor, we're, we're, we're a poor side that's destined for bottom third at best. And that's the level we found. And that shouldn't be where we are. We should have more ambition. There are plenty of clubs who are doing things with no more, necessarily no more money than we've got. They just, you know, I, I mean, apparently we don't have a scouting team. You know, so how do you recruit players if you don't have a scouting team? Now, I don't know whether that's true, but, but, it, but it's interesting that these are the stories that get out and invariably they turn out to be true. We have to cut our cloth to the money we've got. That's a lack of ambition. Okay, Paul Barry may not be a limitless supply of money, he may not want to do that, but who's he going to get in now to manage the club? Because whoever comes in, first of all, I suspect will want more control. If they're a manager worth their salt, they'll want not to be a head coach. And secondly, they're going to want some money to to, to just replenish the squad. Now, it's a bit of a moot point because the transfer window will have closed by the time we get them in anyway, but they'll certainly want it over the summer, which they could have given to Calderwood and done something with. I just think it's great to get rid of a manager and blame the manager, but he's a head coach. And it's great to say things are going to get better from here, but I don't think either thing is necessarily true or the right move. So... And in terms of the, the players in the squad, when you look at some of the players who started last night or in the squad last night, for example, Paul Lewis started, Liam O'Neill started, they were players who perhaps you probably would have said at the start of the season, oh, they'll be good squad players. Once we get some new bodies in, they'll be good squad players. Same Reggie Lamb was on the bench last night, a, a decent squad player. And Harry Darling and Greg Taylor, no offence, them good, decent squad players. But reality, should they really be playing together as your number one centre-back partnership and, and your only other option is is George Taft that 
we just we had those problems last season and we're still sat here the same. So Tim, if it's yeah. if what we've said is it's um the number of managers over the last five years, Richard, Sean, Joe Dunn and Colin Coldwood, the players clearly haven't improved in this squad as well. Who are we portioning the the main blame here then? Who who are you suggesting or or what are you suggesting is the reason for the club's failing? I, I, I think it, it's, difficult, it, it's difficult to apportion blame in any one direction. As I say, I think they're all hand in hand. I think a, a, a squad that's, I think, a genuinely a, a squad full of reasonable League Two players is not going to win you the playoffs. That, so that's the first point. The second point is a, man, a manager who's a head coach and doesn't really have that level of control over what they want to do isn't going to be able to, to, to get us into the playoffs. Uh, a club that has a structure that, you know, just leaves people in place. I think, you know, I mean, the, the problem, I get why they did it. You know, they want to make sure that if a manager goes, they don't lose all the backroom staff. But in itself, that's basically saying you're guaranteeing a job for the backroom staff, <laughs> whether they're actually worth that job or not. And on the and assumption as well, that the manager will get sacked. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. So I, I just go back to fine, get rid of Calderwood and, you know, he, he has to take some of the blame because he is the head coach. But you have to look further than that. If we come through this with a new manager in the old system, I don't think it's going to make a job of difference. I think we need somebody on board who will stand up and say, this is not the way I'm going to take the job. If you want me, then, you know, we have to talk about the way in which this is done. You know, I just don't think the structure is working. I think if you look at three managers down since money and none of them have made a success of it, when, you know, individually each one of them is not an incompetent manager, then that has to say something about the club as a whole. Tim, we'll come back to you a little bit later on to get your thoughts on who you think should replace Colin Calder. We had a text in as well, similar to the point you were just making there, Tim. Chris Horton, aka Hippie Hammer, has said, Ollie, responsible or accountable, all those above him, egos of them all, are too Billy Big Time in protecting their own positions. And Chris said he's been saying this for years. Great show. Thanks very much for your text. Chris, if you want to get in touch, can do 07919 070490. Let's take a quick break and head off to the roads. Blame on Cambridge 105 Radio. Calvin Harris featuring John Newman. Who are you blaming for the mess that is at Cambridge United at the minute? Will you get in touch? 07919 070 490. We'll return to Tim Armitage now then to let us know who you think should be the, the next huge boss. There's a, a number of candidates. We're heading on to the, the sack race to website to see who the favourites are. Ian Evert is 6-4, to four, the current Barrow manager. Michael Jolly, who's the previous Grimsby manager, is 4-1. to one. Paul Tisdale, he's obviously managed Milton Keynes-Dons, an extra at 10-1. to one. Mark Bonner's there at 14-1. to one. Interestingly, now at 16-1, to one, you have the likes of Nathan Jones, Neil Warnock and Stephen Presley. Tim, any of those names to your fancy? Well, Quasi Apire, I think, is the obvious choice. Isn't it? <laughs> Not Barry Cole or Luke Chadwick. Or... <laughs> um, uh, I'm interested that Mark Bonner's 14 to 1 is not he's not much further down that list. Or, 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 you know, I, he's, he's a nice bloke, but I, he's not a manager uh, for, uh, you know, Cambridge United. I think, I mean, again, if you, if you look at who's there, Warnock and Tisdale are obviously, you know, two standouts. But, you know, I. <laughs> 
who's, I, I go back to this question, who's going to want to come to Cambridge unless we pay them a lot and, you know, they're going to want more control because if they come in in, in the same structure they're in, I, it, it's not going to work. And, you know, we're also going to have to spend money on players because, again, if you're, if you're taking over a side, a bottom you know, bottom feeders in League Two, you're going to want to make sure that there's the appropriate investment in the summer to, to build a squad. And then even if there is, unless you can replace a lot of it, you're still going to be working with someone else's squad. So I, it, it's going to be really interesting to see the calibre of manager that we can actually afford to bring in who would want to come in within the structure that we have. So, you know, I mean, we can all speculate and we can all choose who would be our favourite manager mm. and there are some, there are some, you know, reasonable managers in that list of, of people. But, uh, you know, will they come or will we end up with, you know, someone that won't do any better than the people we've got even, even if the structure managed to change? Mm. I don't know. Well, we'll see. I got a couple more texts in. Another one from Chris actually who says, and and may I add, evidently financially incompetent, just to add to the list, as proven by the contract payouts to Money and Coldwood and the fiasco with the finances of the Man United money. No wonder there are few big Cambridge-based investors in the club. Let's get in touch again, Chris. Also got a tweet um, from uh, from one of my good friends, Stuart Boone. Thanks for tuning in, Stuart. And he's put a a gif on social media, and it's of Tony Adams doing his. His, uh, his dancing when he was at Granada and says, have they appointed this man yet? I don't think Tony Adams will be coming to Cambridge. And finally, another text from Nigel. He says, agree largely with what you are both saying, um, Tim, Ollie and Harry, but how can the performance level drop so far from Exeter and Plymouth? Team set of motivation is down to the manager slash coach and selection and formations recently have, have baffled him. Patterns of play and instructions so predictable and lacking imagination. However, setting a three-year contract in October and sacking him in January down to the board and senselessness. Uh, a number of players are simply substandard and sadly lacking in key positions. Football at League Two should be simple. There are a lot of teams that are of similar level but clearly run and directed very much better than the way we are. Imagine that's both on and off the pitch. Set the type of play you want from your team and pick a manager and players to fit the model. Simple, great show, uh, keep up the good work. So I imagine um, what Nigel said there is also similar to perhaps the model, I think, at Brentford do it, where they the owner has an identity of how he wants to play um, and the sort of players he wants to bring in, a number of young players, and they do it on stats based as well. And then they ha- hand-pick a manager who fits that, that style of play. Tim, it's all very tiring. We're going to do it all again on Saturday ahead of the Colchester game. I will speak to you then. (laughs) Rest up and uh, we'll go again Saturday. (laughs) Tim Armit is there talking Cambridge United. As as you know, if you you haven't been, well, if you've been under a rock today, you wouldn't wouldn't know that, uh, or wouldn't know that Colin Coldwood has been sacked as U's manager. A number of um, candidates of course, will be uh, touted to replace him. We'll chat that with Andrew Jordan from the Cambridge News next.
The Cambridgeshire Midweek Football Show on Cambridge 105 Radio with the Cambridgeshire Football Association promoting football at all levels across the city and South Cambridgeshire. So, Harry, who do you fancy out of that list then of of managers to replace Colin Calder? Any of those? Paul Tisdale. Paul Tisdale. Out of everyone, yeah, I think he's probably the one that a lot of Cambridge fans would like to see come in over over anyone else I mean obviously someone like Nathan Jones with the experience or Neil Warnock <laughs> but I'm not sure how good Neil Warnock would be at Cambridge I'm not going to lie has he, he managed Leeds your yeah. side yeah Warnock's been at Leeds he's, yeah, he's, he's a character we'll leave that there he's not got many good things to say about Leeds so okay yeah. good. would you like to see him at the Abbey no. <laughs> okay, there you go. No. no. I, I, I imagine that one would, would possibly split opinion, but yeah. a whole host of Football League and Premier League experience under his belt too. Andrew Georgeson joins us now from the Cambridge News. Andrew, thanks for coming on the show. Hi, Ali. Thanks, uh, thanks for having me. No worries. And you really are the aficionado of Cambridge. I travel up and down the country and seeing them on, on days when probably no other fan would want to watch the use this season or, or many times over, over the years. What's your take on the events over... The last few hours, Andrew, are you, are you do you agree with Colin's sacking? Um, yeah, I, I think it, it was pretty inevitable, wasn't it? Um, it? It doesn't make us sort of any any less sad. I, I think um, you know you can kind of draw a line down the season, sort of pre and post uh, the late Norwegian game, because since then they've just been uh, just a completely different team, really. And, and I think I, I think it's becoming more kind of apparent. Um, the sort of impact that Elliot Ward and Mark Richards actually had on the group, because uh, people were a bit like, why Why do they keep getting started? Why are the guys here in the first place? You know, uh, Elliot Ward just keeps giving away penalties <laughs> or having to make last-ditch tackles <laughs> and stuff like that. Um, but, but, you know, since we've both, since we've both gone, it's, it's really started to uh, fall apart at the seams a little bit. And, and I do feel sorry for Colin, because... Um, you know, going into the season in a sort of alternate universe, he had sort of Wes Houlihan, he had Jabo, he had Arnie Dallas scoring goals, he had Kyle mm. Moe the whole season. And some of this season, he hasn't even been to them like a full bench, essentially. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a right decision because you can't... Um, when you can't lose seven out of nine and expect to keep and expect to keep your job really but um, I think it doesn't make it um, any less of a shame because we're kind of just back to square one again after what sort of after Joe left so yeah. it's been 13 months of just treading water essentially and, and I guess that is the real point fans will debate and have opinions whether Coldwood should or should not have been sacked but there's a bigger debate really in terms of the way the football club and the footballing decisions are made at the club like I said the U's are now looking for their fifth manager in five years and after every single one of them's been sacked we've sat here and I think we've had you on the show Andrew and said that the next one needs to be the the important one and we'll say the same thing now what's your take on the current structure of the footballing decisions at the club yeah it's a strange one because you know in in theory i can see kind of what they're trying to do i think it makes more sense uh to have a backroom staff for financial reasons so you don't you're not constantly chopping and changing you're not constantly replacing sort of five or six people every time i mean some some of the problems with the people on the list is they will want to bring their own staff and you know um it's even like paul hurst travels across dodge everywhere but I think the cracks are kind of starting to appear a little bit in and now. And I think the main thing really is with the kind of player editions, um, you know, this kind of the message is maybe getting a little bit mixed up between two different people saying different things. Um, you, you know, the, I mean, 
Colin pretty much said that he wanted to keep both Mark Richards and Elliot Ward, uh, mm. but they were told that he wasn't he wasn't able to. Um, and and I think, as you say, there's been three different managers now, really, and, and Sean, um, Joe, and now Colin, who have all tried it since he reverted back to the head coach model, and, and it just isn't working. Um, and that's and that's not to say anyone's incompetent or anyone's not doing their job properly, but I think sometimes you need. Um, Sometimes you need to let people manage, right? And you need to let people manage the entire club. And whatever you say, it does take an element of authority away from the guy who is in charge, who is Colin. And then in this entire structure, if the structure fails, it always falls on the head coach again. So it's it's kind of a weird, a weird bouncing act at the minute. And it, it just isn't one. It isn't one which is really particularly working. It seems. We'll see if it changes in 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 the future. I think you're right. There was a uh, Coldwell came out in his in his press conference one of the pre matches and said that. Uh, Elliot Ward and, and Mark Richards left and, and perhaps because of the situation where they were in the table and the fact they hadn't gone on many cut runs and then Graham Daniels came out and said that that isn't the case. There was a contradiction there and I guess when there's a breakdown there and players, some people wanting players to go and, and the manager not, you're always going to struggle. We've spoke already over the last 30 minutes so about the, the lack of investment. Who would you like to see come in next then, Andrew? I've read out the list uh, on the show. Paul Tisdale's in there, Neil Warnock, as well, and uh, Nathan Jones, of course. Who would you like to see in the in the used dugout? Who would you like to interview after the game? <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I mean, first and foremost, I would actually quite like a centre back <laughs> to, to come in as well, <laughs> just to kind of pop balsa it a little bit because be nice. um, because yeah, I think we kind of need one. But um, it's it's a tricky, it's a really strange list. I it kind of is divided into people who are just chucked in there all the time, like you know Craig Bellamy or Stephen Pressley or Brian McDermott, or you kind of Tim Flowers. And um, obviously Ian Everts emerges the favourite over the last sort of hour or two. Um, I mean, if it, look, if you can get Paul Tisdale, you get Paul Tisdale. I, for for humour reasons, I'd quite like Neil Warnock. No, not for humour, that's harsh. Ever, I think it would be quite fun to get Neil Warnock and just to uh, just to see how that would go. But that would be a very short-term appointment because he, he said he wants to retire at the end of the season. Uh, but, but long-term, you either go for Paul Tisdale and you sort of back him to the health, which... We've seen the health for Cambridge United isn't particularly high because mm. <laughs> they, you know, they've got a bit of loads of players. But um, or I, I think my heart of hearts would say maybe someone like Nathan Jones. I think just um, I can't say Paul this. They'll particularly want him to come back down to the level and um, after fighting so hard to get out of it. I think Nathan Jones is someone um, similar to Paul Hurst was kind of the darling of English football for a little while and it just went really bad from um, it just Stoke was a really bad move Ipswich was a really bad move for Paul Hurst and then Scunthorpe hasn't worked out any better um, I, I think with like the A&E evidence stuff, I'd be surprised if they tried to pay someone out of a contract when there's so many sort of managers available um, but I, th- I mean I think it's, it's it's kind of much of a muchness between the likes of Jones and Tisdale for me personally just we just need someone who they're going to really sort of put a long-term future in because I, I thought Caldwood was a guy from the left field that obviously done their research mm. we've got a guy who wants to prove himself at this level um, and, it, and it just didn't work out at all so maybe someone who has been in the game who has been a head coach and led a club to sort of relative success and Nathan Jones and Paul Tisdale have both had promotions um, I mean I think that'd be a, a massive guess for Cambridge United as well I don't think they would automatically think oh that's a really attractive job because at the minute I don't think it is a particularly attractive job <laughs> Um, so yeah, so yeah, that's the two choices. I think the aspirational manager maybe isn't what they need. Maybe we don't need a Tim Flowers or Ian Everett um, or Dal McMahon or, so, or someone like that. So yeah, I mean Tisdale and 
Um, Jones are almost certainly only in there because they're out of work. It'll be interesting to see who who actually rocks up in, in two weeks' time, but we're, we're not going to hear anything from the club in that sense until next week at the earliest, I've been told. So, yeah, see how that goes. Well, we'll see. And, of course, I would very much hand post-match press conference responsibilities over to Tim if Neil Warnock was... <laughs> and just, it'd be far too scary to interview after the game. Andrew, thank you very much, as ever. Thanks very much, Charlie. Andrew Georgeson there of the Cambridge News joining us on the line to discuss Cambridge United's news this afternoon that Colin Calder has left the club, also debating who he thinks should be the next man in charge. Cambridge 105 Radio.